Well, we've been studying sanctification and our growing in the Lord. And so I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at some verses here that deal with our growing. Now, we looked last week at the renewing of our mind, and we looked at Philippians 4, 8 and saw things that God wants us to focus on, how we are to think. And I want to continue that thought today. You know, we've heard phrases like, once a thief, always a thief, right? I've heard people say that people's character will never change. Now, I know people who used to be drunks who are no longer drunks. I know people who used to be drug addicts who are no longer drug addicts. And the difference is Jesus Christ. And it is true that people will not change apart from Jesus Christ, but I'm glad Jesus changes everything, aren't you? Now, Christian, every one of us should be changing to be more Christ-like every day of our lives. I have a thing that I learned in counseling, and truthfully, some of these principles are not original with me, but I'm glad there's nothing new under the sun, and so we can learn from others and then take it and teach it to others, aren't you? Years ago, I was at the Wilds, How many know the Wilds Christian Camp? Okay, if you've never been there, it's a wonderful place, but go with a heavy pocket. It's pretty expensive, but it's a wonderful camp. Uh, But the Wilds Camp, Ken Collier, I was there for a, um, I think we had teens there, and I was one of the sponsors. And so we got classes we got to go to throughout the day. And Ken taught this lesson, which I have seen in some of the other Wilds materials. I'm not the only one who borrowed it that basically talks about this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, which we will go ahead and read, and then I want to discuss some of the principles that he taught and I would like to share with you tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on... The new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So we're going to look at the need of putting off the old. Then we'll look at the need of putting on the new. But then we're going to go back and look again and focus on that in-between step, the renewing of the mind. So let's ask the Lord for his guidance. Father, again, pray that you bless this time in your word and teach us again, Lord, to renew our mind, to think the way you want us to think. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Put off the old. Just as you take off a garment, you take it and throw it off or to be done with. You know, the other day I was helping Brother Ken out front cutting the concrete, and I think I shared with some of you, I was on this side, he was on this side over here, and the wind was blowing that way, and he's sitting there with the saw, and I'm trying to take out the pieces of concrete. He looks over, he said, I couldn't even see you, the cloud of dust was so thick. And my clothes were covered head to toe with white dust. I came inside and I wasn't thinking. I sat down in a chair and I stood up. The whole chair was covered in white dust. And I said to Susan, I said, I better go get a shower before I get in trouble. So fortunately, I had brought a change of clothes and I went next door and just hopped in the shower. I had to get off that old because anything I was touching turned white. So it is with the old man. We got to put it off. Stop the things that we used to do. Titus 2.12, teaching us to denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. 
So we're not to live the same as we did before. The verse says that you put off concerning the former conversation or the old way of life, the previous manner, the things you used to do. We don't do those anymore. Verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the van of their mind, having the understanding darkness, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Paul says, don't walk as the Gentiles do. They're living as a lost person does, and we have Christ in us, and we should be living differently. Colossians 3.9 tells us, Lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. As we already discussed, the old man was not eradicated, and he loves to rear his ugly head, and if we allow, the flesh will still take control, right? But it says, Put off the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. The old man is corrupt. Paul says this in that conversation that he has in, in Romans 7. And in verse 24, he comes and says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Now I'm thankful the answer is Jesus Christ, aren't you? And I already explained the body of death, but in case you haven't heard before, one of the Roman punishments if I had killed somebody, sometimes they would take the body and strap it onto you in such a way it's strapped on behind you, you can't get it off, so you carry around this rotten corpse until it rots you away. That would be a horrible death. But you know, the old flesh is kind of that way. It's just that old rotting flesh. Why would we want to give in to that body of death? But it's interesting, it says, according to the deceitful lust. You know, sin is fun for a season. I mean, think about it. If sin weren't fun, where would the temptation to sin be? Right? So let's be honest. There is a fun, if you will, to sin, but it only lasts for a season. And the ends thereof are the ways of death. And what you and I, Christian, need to stop looking at the immediate and saying, oh, wouldn't that be fun? But rather say, that is a path of destruction. Hebrews 11.25, talking about Moses, the Word of God tells us, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses started looking at things eternally instead of temporarily. Now, if Moses had viewed things temporarily, he'd say, look, I'm in the palace. I'm the next in line maybe to be Pharaoh. But even if he weren't next in line to be Pharaoh, living in the palace is not a bad gig, right? And so he has the best of all Egypt has to offer at his fingertips. He says, I'm willing to give it all up to suffer with my people. Because following God was more important than the temporary things of this world. In Sunday mornings, we've been talking about choices. Now, there's a choice that was made. But look at the results of that choice. Remember... While there is pleasure and sin for a season, the ends, are the, end, the ends are the ways of death. Romans 6.21 What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So we put off the old. We take off the old. Amen? Whew. Hey, that was a good reason to get rid of the coat. But then you've got to put on the new. I don't have another coat to put on, so I'll put this one back on. This is a new one now. <laughs> 
The Christian is a new creature. We are a new, we have a new man created in us. A new quality. There's something different about the new man than the old man. The old man is fleshly. The new man is spiritual. The old man is corrupt. The new man is righteous, living to godliness. There's a huge contrast between the two. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There's a, to be a newness in the Christian life. Romans 6, 4, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, so let me stop here for just a minute. We talked, I told you a little bit about what uh, Brother Collier was teaching. He says, the putting off is a lot like, if you think of a tree, okay, we'll pick on the lemon tree. Although I do like lemons, I would never pick a lemon and just sit there and peel it and eat it. But lemon juice is good on a lot of things, right? Okay. But we often think of lemon as a bad fruit only because it's sour, even though, you know, but anyhow, okay, we're just going to go with the lemon tree, okay? So if I have a lemon tree... And I say, I'm going to put off, so I take off all the lemons, right? Okay, now, if I were to go to the same tree, and I don't know why we always consider the apple the good fruit, but we're going to go with that again. And I take the tree, and I go and I put a bunch of apples, and I hang them on there. And now I say, I now have an apple tree. Ed's looking at me like I just lost my mind. And he's probably correct, because... That tree next year is not going to produce apples. As a matter of fact, those apples that are on it are going to fall off and rot. And next year, it's going to grow lemons again. But this is exactly how we treat our Christian life too often. I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to start doing this. The problem is, we haven't changed the tree. And the tree is still a lemon tree. And then we wonder why the same fruit grows right back. Have you ever tried changing yourself, stop doing this certain sin, and start doing the right thing, and then you find yourself failing? You know why? Because you picked off the fruit and glued some apples to it. And it didn't work because the tree didn't change. You follow? Now, yes, those two steps are important. There is to put off the old. There is to put on the new. But if we're going to make a permanent change, the tree has to change. So we can't put on the new, on the old man. We have to get rid of the old man and grow in the new man by renewing our mind, changing the way we think about things. Okay, now we went through that last week, but here is the point that I want us to see this week. You see, the new man is a creation of God. We're given a new nature, one that's spiritual, one that's alive, created in righteousness. But the renewing of the mind, go back to verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This is the critical step. So how do we change the way we're thinking? Well, when I sin, and this is the principles I want us to learn today. First of all, it's interesting on the way up to Raleigh today, we preachers were talking and we all came to a consensus that we as 21st century Americans do not know what it means to be still and know that I am God. Because we as 21st century Americans don't know what it means to be still. 
and we don't meditate. We will turn on the radio to fill our mind. We will turn on the TV to fill our mind. We will play a video game to fill our mind. We will look at our phone to fill our mind. But sometimes all we need to do, all we need to do, all we need to do is stop and just let God fill our minds and dwell on him. Look at how many times the psalmist David talks about meditating on God. How often do we just stop and think about God? Okay, Christian, I promise you, if we would think more about our God and who he is, we would think a whole lot less about sin and self. Because the ultimate thing that this lesson is trying to teach is in order to renew our mind, we have to have a proper view of God, which gives us a proper view of self, which gives us a proper view of our sin. And when we view our sin and ourself in the proper place, and we view God, who he really is, we're going to think differently about our sin, and we're going to think differently about God and serving him. So what this lesson does that Brother Collier taught is he went through several traits or attributes of God. For instance, some of the things about God, God is all-knowing, right? He is all-powerful. He's all-present. He's beautiful. He's faithful. He's good. He's gracious, holy, jealous, love. God is merciful and patient. He's a God of order. He's a God of peace. He's a God of righteousness. He's a God of justice. He is sovereign. He's in control of all. He's sufficient. He's supreme. He's truth. He's wisdom. He's wrath. Okay, we're going to just stop with those. You really could make a whole lot longer list of attributes of God. Now, here's the idea that Brother Collier taught. And I have applied this in my life, and I've applied this to counseling others. And when followed, it truly changes the way we think. It renews our mind. Okay? I realize I have a problem. Let's say my problem is I like to please people more than pleasing God. Is that a problem? Okay. When I desire to please people more than I please God, tell me, what attributes of God am I violating or am I going against? Well, let's be specific about a few. Honesty, okay. I'm showing my pride, which goes against God's Holiness, maybe? Okay. When I'm trying to please others instead of pleasing God, is that going against God's sovereignty, the fact that he is the one who deserves all praise? He deserves all worship? He's the one that deserves my attention, my obedience? Josh, I saw your hand up. Okay. So when I look at these attributes of God, and I picked this one because I tried to pick one that's maybe a little harder to think through. So... Some of the attributes that he had on this list when he says that we um, try to please others, and he numbers them, so give me a second to find them here. He says that God is sufficient. It goes against the sufficiency of God. It goes against the fact that God is supreme, the fact that God is love, and also the fact that God is good. And I agree with all those, and we also named some others, and also I think it would go against the jealousy of God. Would it not? Okay, so if I think about these attributes of God, 
Now get this. I'm trying to put off the old. I'm a people pleaser. But I need to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks, and I need to start obeying God. Kind of like Saul we talked about Sunday morning, right? Saul was pleasing the people, not obeying God. Okay? I realize this in my life. Well, if I focus on trying to just not do that anymore, I'm just going to please God, I'm just picking off the fruit, trying to glue on new fruit. But if I focus on the fact that God is love, God is holy, God is supreme, and every time I choose to please others, I am saying the opinion of these people is more important than God. When I try to please you, I'm saying the supremacy of God doesn't matter as much as your opinion. God's love for me doesn't matter as much as being liked by you. Follow? And so now, is that going to help change the way I think? Now I need to focus on, okay, then I need to love the way God loves. I need to show reverence to Him. I need to obey Him. What God thinks of me, because God is a judge, our judge, right? And so am I not thinking about the judgment of God? I'm more worried about the judgment of people. But if I understand, I'm going to give an account to God. I don't give an account to people. You see, this is helping change my thinking about it. It's not just gluing on a new piece of fruit. It's changing the way I think about God because every time I sin, the problem is, is my thinking of God, self, and sin is wrong. And so if I start thinking correctly about God and realizing about myself that I've been looking and worried too much about what people think of me instead of what God thinks of me, and I've been not looking at the wonderful blessings that God gives me, but I'm trying to please others because I want them to be happy with me. You see what I'm saying? And I go through all this. I start thinking about myself. I see my sin for what it is. I see the weakness of flesh, but I see the sufficiency of God. And I've changed the way I think about God, which has changed the way I think about me, which has changed the way I think about that sin. And that, my friend, is how we go from putting off to putting on. Because now, when I think about, I need to please these people, no, that doesn't matter. What matters is pleasing God. Because He's supreme. He is love. He is just. He's the one I give an account to. So what matters to me now is pleasing God. I've changed the way I think about it, so I no longer desire to go back to it because I changed the way I think about it. But the way I changed the way I think about it is changing my thinking about God. Does that make sense to everybody? Let me tell you something. When Ken taught this, and I heard it for the first time, I was like, that is so simple but so profound. And I said, I think I'm going to try that. And I'm glad I have. You know why? Because I had at that time besetting sins that I could never get victory over, that praise God, he's given me victory over. You know why? Because he's changed the way I think about him, because I've changed the way I think about him. To where those sins now disgust me that used to be my besetting sins. Now, I'm not saying I still have victory over everything, okay? I'm not perfect. I still have sin in my life. I, I'm, I am a man, too, who still has an old nature. But let me tell you something. 
I have met many people who say, I can't get victory over this. I can't get victory over this. The truth is, is yes, you can. When you change the way you think about God, he will give you the victory. And I can stand here and say that dogmatically because he has done it in my life. And so Christian, part of that sanctification process, claim that victory we have in Jesus Christ and meditate on God. Don't meditate on the sin. Meditate on God, which is going to change our thinking about the sin. Now, I know that was a lot. So I want this to be something that you all can take home and practice and work on. So I'm going to open it up for any questions you may have tonight. Or if you think of something over the next day or so, please feel free to email me, text me, call my wife so I get the message. You all know how it works. But this is something we all need to practice and practice. Now, I have papers, and I was going to print them uh, for everybody, but I know I've handed them out in the past. And it has these papers. And again, these are not mine. This paper here has what I was talking about, all these attributes of God, and it has scriptures that you can look at and, and memorize and learn about those attributes of God. This page here has a, a detail of how to use this chart and how to look at what I'm doing, the bad fruit I have, how it attacks God's character, and then it has a third page here and what I show people to do is take this little tree chart that's what I call it to put off I write down what sin I'm dealing with right here and then I put on what God wants me to think or do over here that's to put off put on and then down here I'll start listing all the attributes of God that my sin violates or attacks and then I start looking up those scriptures. And I try to meditate on those scriptures about God. You see, I'm not focusing on the sin. I'm focusing on him. And that changes my thinking eventually about this sin and turns it into this. So if you want copies of this, you can tell it's been copied a couple times. I don't have the originals. And I give credit to where it is due. And yes, it does have a copyright on it. I think I asked permission. I did ask permission to use it. So I have permission to give you copies of it, okay? I'm not going to steal from a man because it is copywritten. However, the beauty of it is, is he realizes this is important things that Christians need to know.